We have a few announcements. This weekend on February 18th, we will host a night out for married couples and single adults in the parish hall from 7 to 10 p.m. We will have a catered dinner from Pepperoni Grill followed by dancing and fellowship. Wine, beer, and non-alcoholic beverages will also be provided. To RSVP for the event, call or come by the parish office and sign up. The price of admission is $10 per person and is due at the time of your reservation. Space is limited and paid reservations must be made by February 14th. <clears throat> Our director of sacred music, Mary Joy, will offer a class on chant, uh, teaching the basics of reading chant notation, how to get comfortable using your singing voice and learning how to sing chant and other traditional hymns of the church. This will be a series of classes held each Sunday starting February 20th from 8.45 to 9.15 in the morning on the second floor of the St. Ambrose Center. All are welcome, especially beginners. You can see Mary Joy out in the narthex after Mass for more information and to sign up. <clears throat> All women of the parish are encouraged to attend the annual Oklahoma Catholic Women's Conference on Saturday, February 26th at the Embassy Suites in Norman. See the bulletin for more information. Likewise, men of the parish are encouraged to attend the Oklahoma Catholic Men's Conference coming up later in March. Early registration for that conference ends on Monday, so if you desire to participate in that, you might want to take advantage of the Monday early registration deadline. See the bulletin or posters in the narthex for information. The commitment weekend for the annual Catholic Appeal benefiting ministries of the whole Church of the Archdiocese is next weekend. So I want to make you aware of that so that you might begin to prayerfully consider your participation and pledge to this year's ACA. And finally, a word of congratulations and the promise of prayer from this parish community, all of us here, for those of you who uh, have prepared and are being confirmed today after time of preparation. The Archbishop has given me permission to confirm you to complete your initiation, so that is a great joy, not only for you as individuals, as disciples, but for the entire parish. Congratulations to you and thanks as well uh, to your catechist who has led you this time uh, and to arrive at this day. <clears throat> Today, our secular cultural focus may be on the Super Bowl rivalry between the Bengals and the Rams, but the scripture selections focus our attention on the face-off between the blessed and the cursed. And if you're looking for a hidden coded message with a Super Bowl prediction in my words, you can note the order of my words. Bengals, Rams, blessed, cursed. <laughs> Take that to the bank. <laughs> the scripture selections focus our attention on the face-off between the righteous, those who hope in the Lord and rejoice to live according to his law, and the wicked, those who put their trust in human beings, in the world, in material goods, and in the strength of their flesh. Read again the first reading, the psalm and the gospel, and you will see in all three the clear dichotomy between the blessed and the cursed. The first reading from the prophet Jeremiah gives us this focus. Cursed is the one who trusts in human beings. He is like a barren bush in the desert. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the waters. The psalm takes up some of the very same images. And this message of blessing and curse comes to its fulfillment in the blessings and the woes of Jesus' teaching in today's gospel. 
Jesus repeats the very same message of Jeremiah in the psalm. But Jesus' comments about the rich and the poor are not merely observations about their literal economic class. Rather, Jesus teaches that the material state of the rich and the poor symbolizes their spiritual state, except inverted. The rich are the wicked who boast of their self-sufficiency, the strength of their flesh. The poor are the humble who put their hope and trust in the Lord. In the gospel, Jesus stood on a stretch of level ground and by his teaching leveled the preconceptions of his contemporaries as he levels ours. Why say our secular vision is being leveled? Because I bet most of us here listen to Jesus' teaching and think, the poor, the hungry, the weeping, those hated, excluded, insulted, and denounced are blessed? The proof of our secular vision is that we don't think these people blessed, which may betray where our trust can tend to really lie, in the world, in the flesh, in material goods. And on the flip side, I bet most of us here listen to Jesus' teaching and think, why are the rich and those filled and those laughing and those who are spoken well of told by Jesus, woe to you? That thought, too, betrays our worldly vision. We think those who are well-off, comfortable, satisfied, and strong are truly blessed. But Jesus reminds us that all the things we fill up on, the things we place trust in, are not as stable and secure as we tend to act or think, and they tend to slip through our fingers when we pass from here. Then those who are full of the world, the flesh and material goods, will experience an emptiness, a poverty, a sadness, an isolation, and a hunger that is incomprehensible, eternal, and never-ending. Yet we struggle to hear this in our fallen nature and in our flesh, where we give so much attention to earthly well-being. It might help us uncover this teaching of the Lord by considering what preceded it in the Old Testament. In the book of Deuteronomy, we find Moses teaching God's people after they had been wandering long years in the desert, a wandering whose purpose was in part punishment and in part to work out from them all the ways of thinking they had adopted in slavery in Egypt. Moses presents them God's law, restating it to gain their acceptance of it before they will enter the promised land, and he also mentions blessings and curses. In that teaching, Moses indicates that if they obey God's law and his ways, obedience will be met with the blessing of children and land and crops and cattle and prosperity and peace. In other words, the signs of blessing will be earthly reward. In Jesus' teaching today, he is inverting the lesson. The earthly blessings become the dangers, become the curses. Why? Because in earthly blessing, we can tend to place our security and find little reason to turn our hearts towards zealous searching for God and his ways. 
to bring about his kingdom in the new covenant, the Lord teaches us that the earthly blessings run the risk of becoming a trap, whereas earthly poverty and hunger and struggle, these can lead us to turn our hearts to God and to seek his kingdom. No doubt this sounds odd to us. We may even want to reject this inverted lesson. But in this, can we not see and understand the cross in a new way? After all, to bring his kingdom, the Lord endured the cross. In other words, the greatest loss and suffering and evil became the passage to the incomprehensible gain and joy and blessing of heaven that the Lord opens for us by his cross and his resurrection. With all this in mind, I wonder if there isn't something in the experience of the last two years with COVID that might reveal to us something we need to admit about where our heart tends to run the risk of being focused. In what ways do we still need to accept the new covenant lesson of the Lord, that our heart and our treasure must be on his kingdom and not merely life in this realm? Now, to be clear, no one should hear this suggestion I'm making as being pro-vax or anti-vax or pro-mask or anti-mask. That's far too superficial a focus. If you have health and age risks and you determine that a vaccine after careful moral examination is acceptable and important for your situation, then get it. If you determine your risks are low and you prefer not to get it, then don't. If you have compromised health and need to be cautious, then feel free to wear a mask or don't wear one. My point, however, is to look more deeply into what we might learn from our collective response to COVID. Is there a chance we might need to admit that we seek our blessings and our stability here in this life, a life that will not last? Do we do just about anything to prolong our bodily health in life, whereas we'd have to admit a stark contrast to the comparatively little we tend to do to protect the health and life of the soul by, say, admitting sin and confession, working to change sinful habits and committing to daily prayer? Do we view our prosperity as earthbound? Or do we really seek heaven even while we appreciate and guard and foster our life here for as many years as the Lord will give us? As Christians, we do not dismiss the body or fail to take care of it. We care for it because it is good, made by God. Yet our care for it does not become an exclusive focus on this life. Rather, we strive for holiness so that after we pass, our body might resurrect and be joined again to our soul in the life of heaven. If we maintain this proper Christian focus, then we accept from the Lord that our material blessings in this life bring with them responsibilities, such that if we are rich, we are not hopeless, but we use those gifts to glorify God. 
If we maintain this proper Christian focus, then we also accept from the Lord that our material poverty in this life can help to turn our hearts to God as the lasting source of blessing and treasure. The Lord's teaching today helps us understand how to borrow images from Jeremiah, even in the heat and the drought of life, that is, in the penances, in the mortifications, and in the sufferings we endure in this life, we do not fear, and we remain like a sturdy tree whose roots stretch out and whose leaves stay green. The scriptures teach us that true wealth, satisfaction, and lasting life are found in God alone through his Son, Jesus Christ. However, in our lives, we try to carry the label and name of Christian while living more for the world and of the world. St. Paul reminds us, as we heard in the second reading, that if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are the most pitiable people of all. In whatever ways we choose sin, May Christ's spirit speak to us today. Woe to you. Ask yourself today, in what areas of my life am I living in contradiction to Christ in his clear teaching? Ask the Lord to help you hear loud and clear, woe to you. Having heard Christ's warning, may we then repent of our sins by confession and by serious reform of our lives so that we may be like a tree planted near running water, yielding its fruit in due season. For blessed are they who hope in the Lord.